You're listening to Coming of Cage, a Nicolas Cage podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Coming of Cage podcast. I am your host, Derek. I have my lovely longtime friend and co-host, Ryan, with me. Hello. Hello, hello. And this week we are talking about the 1995 Nicolas Cage film Leaving Las Vegas. Before we get started, we do want to provide a trigger warning for people. This film has some disturbing themes and imagery and content, including alcohol abuse, sexual assault, and other intense, serious things of that nature. So if those things are things you don't want to hear about, we would recommend maybe skipping this episode. So just kind of some warning there before we get started. Um, Yeah, Leaving Las Vegas. This is the film that Nicolas Cage won his Oscar for. And his co-star Elizabeth Shue was nominated for. The screenplay was also nominated. This is a you know fairly critically regarded well movie. Where would you like to start, Ryan? I mean, I don't know. I have notes uh, more than I thought I would for this movie because you know it's uh, pretty well, like you mentioned, critically well received movie. Um, most of the notes aren't like necessarily nitpicky stuff like they have been in like, for example, our inconceivable episode or some of those, <laughs> it's more just like things I found odd or like filmmaking things that were weird. I don't know. Good things. Also, I'm trying not to focus on the negative as much. Plus this movie didn't have a lot of negative in it, at least in terms of like storytelling and things like that. So, but literally like first scene of the movie. We're going like this is at least 80 to 90 percent cage right out of the gate like he's dancing oh, he's dancing in the grocery he's store grabbing alcohol he's throwing in his cart uh, i do want to say that for me this this movie if you don't know it's about an alcoholic and a sex worker and personally i don't drink i never have it's something i've just decided to not do in my life and my significant other has drank a fair amount of alcohol in their life so uh i thought this was a really this was a really interesting movie for the two of us to watch together because uh, we have very opposite perspectives on the things happening in this movie mm-hmm. and i had to refer to her a lot uh, in terms of like oh do you think that that's good is that like uh you know something realistic or you know we all know that cage can get a little crazy and at times and uh I I didn't know if that was necessarily a realistic depiction of certain things. So I had to well, call in our guest commentator. To be fair, films also tend to not portray things particularly accurately That's anyway, right? Let alone what an actor's decision may be. So I think it's a perfectly reasonable thing to ask somebody who does have that experience. I did read that Nick Cage purposefully recorded himself drunk so then he could see what he was like drunk how he acted how he talked drunk to try and mimic that in the performance yeah um so maybe that is just how he would be in that situation and somebody else uh, like your so or even myself may be totally different um and to be clear he's not just an alcoholic he is purposefully trying to drink himself to death um because his wife left him or left him because of his drinking that part's a little ambiguous on purpose in the film and yeah i mean it kicks off with him dancing in the grocery store which like for an instant gave me a little bit of big lebowski vibes because that's how the big lebowski opens up is with the dude in the grocery store but uh it takes a turn it takes a turn really quick yeah yeah it does um one thing i think that is just important to point out because i didn't know this while i was watching it and I had to read about it because there was some, it bothered me and I needed to find out if this was a mistake or this was on purpose. But the earlier parts of the movie, basically before he's in Vegas, they're not in chronological order, like on purpose. Right. Which I think is a little confusing that it's just kind of bouncing around between before he was fired, after he was fired, right? All those different types of back and forth. I kept seeing things as like, 
continuity problems and production like goofs when they're actually just purposefully not in order. Did that throw you at all? It was a little weird, but it didn't bother me that much. Okay. I mean, what I, it did maybe in the moment, but like once I figured it out, it was fine. Yeah. See, I never figured it out on my own. I had to read about it. Gotcha. Yeah. But, um, you know, the movie starts off really kind of on a somber note, right? This guy is, is sad. He is depressed. He's drinking himself, uh, pretty intensely. We don't know yet that he has plans to drink himself to death, but he's drinking quite a bit and he gets laid off and you can tell that, you know, his boss is sad about that, that like it needs to be done, but he's not happy about it. It's not an act he wants to do. And, you know, Nick has this opportunity to kind of be emotional early on where he it's, it's like one of the few real moments where he isn't necessarily completely like wasted out of his mind. And he kind of has, he, he kind of chokes up a bit, you know, on the verge of tears, knowing that he's kind of, he's losing everything at this point. And I yeah. think that's kind of like, that's his rock bottom. Probably. Um, it's hard to say for sure. Cause you know, we're really only seeing these highlights, <laughs> low lights, sure. whatever of his life, but yeah, it probably is. Um, yeah. The, my second note was uh finger suck, which I think that they, maybe the woman in the bar, I don't remember exactly what that note was. Somebody's sucking on somebody's finger and it was really awkward. So, so that scene sticks out in my head because it had to do with the continuity, what I thought were the continuity issues. So yeah, so he's picking up this woman. He's still in LA. I don't know if she's supposed to be an escort or a prostitute type person or just a woman that he picks up, but she is acting as if she is going to be performing some sexual acts. And then the process of the flirtation is sucking on his finger and she removes his wedding ring. Yeah. In that scene. And he yeah. wakes up in the next shot. He wakes up uh, on the floor of his kitchen. The refrigerator's open and he realizes uh, you know, this must be the next day. And he realizes his ring is missing at that point. So that scene stuck out to me because then immediately he has the ring back when he's at work getting laid off. And right. That, th that threw me off. But um, yeah, that was like, I wasn't. That was a really awkward scene. There's a lot of awkward sex scenes. There's a lot of awkward sex. And to be fair, this, this is a movie about a sex worker. It is. Um, but it came off a lot more awkward than I ever thought it would. I think as intended. I mean, I feel like I, I'm not like I mentioned it again. I'm not a drinker. I'll probably say that a lot throughout this. But I feel like, you know, drunk sex is not like probably the most glamorous thing. No. In the I world. So I feel like awkward is part of it. And there are scenes later in the movie that we'll talk about where it's portrayed as a much more like not awkward, you know, fantastical thing. And it's brought back to reality really quick in those moments. But uh, yeah, in the early movie, especially there's a lot of like awkward sexual related things. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. He's just, he's extremely intense and vulgar at times. Like when he's in the bank, for example, um, and you know, it really shocked me. It really caught me off guard. I did not, I knew next to nothing about this movie going into it. I knew it was his Oscar. I knew it was about a guy drinking himself to death and I knew it took place in Las Vegas. That's about all I knew going into the movie. And I never expected it to be so vulgar, so intense, uh, so kind of chaotic. Are you talking the about the scene where on. he's like recording this whole thing about what he wants to do to the bank teller? Yeah, I mean, that's a really that that's the initial example. Yes. Yeah, that there. I mean, I think they were trying to establish what this movie was going to be early on so that there weren't like any it wasn't any confusion about, you know, what you were about to watch, because um, the whole movie is. Uh, so I, I'm comparing it to to a newer movie, Logan, that I've talked about on the on other podcasts that we've done before, where it's like an extremely dark movie that has a message that it wants you to see and it's very well made but like it, i'll never watch it again because it's just dark and depressing and the ending you know we're not going to get to that yet but like it just ends in a dark depressing way and just uh there's nothing that makes you want to revisit those movies i would think 
Yeah, I, I, I agree with all of that. It It is this movie was a lot like a, this was this was a lot for me to watch. There were multiple times where I just, you know, part part of my language. I was just like, what the fuck? And a couple of times where I was like, I don't really want to keep watching this. Like if we weren't doing it for a podcast, I might have not finished the movie. Wow. So uh, you did not like the movie. That's not fair because it's about a really serious, heavy topic. So I'm not, I don't mean it as a insult or a criticism to the quality of the movie as much as just it's, it's so heavy and serious and dark at times that like, I'm just at a point in my life where I'm cool, not consuming that kind of media. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think it was important for me as a fan of Nick Cage and I thought I had seen this movie before, but apparently I was confusing it with some other Nick Cage movie because Uh, this was all very new to me too but i think if, if you're a fan then this is an important movie because you know it's the one he's gotten the most credit for so you know even yeah I, I would hope you would have finished it out at least and you did for the podcast at the very least so my third note says he's an alcoholic <laughs> hey because they really really were driving that home like early on in case you were like I, I like to think that Derek and I are pretty sharp guys, but you know, uh, if, if you're maybe you're maybe not as savvy of a moviegoer, uh, or we're wearing a blindfold the entire time, they want you to know that he's an alcoholic and they drive that point in pretty hard. And this is where my lack of experience with alcohol kind of makes me wonder how realistic some of the stuff is because I don't really drink either. I don't not drink. I drink like maybe one thing a year at most. And I haven't been drunk since I was like 21. And so, you know, it's not really my thing. So when I see, you know, his motel room, it looks like a bar, you know, or like what he gets at the grocery store. And I'm like, I'm watching him. There's this, there's a scene fairly early on. I think it still takes place in LA, but it's at a strip club and they keep cutting back and forth between him chugging a bottle of liquor and the woman on stage and it's extremely tense the music's really tense it's a very intense scene where you're like not sure he's going to end up in a hospital by the time you know they cut to something right and he's just downing this whole thing and you know that's just like early on early stages of what this this alcoholism becomes as the movie continues and i do wonder you know if if a person could really do that for like the month that he says it will take, like, does it really take the full four weeks? I I am curious for what, from what my significant other said when we were discussing this and I was asking her how realistic this was, she was mentioning that he was putting away a significant amount of alcohol, which we can all tell. um, But that it's not necessarily unrealistic because when your body becomes so dependent on it, um, and early on, you see, like, when he isn't drinking for a little while, he starts, like, this a scene at the bank. Mm-hmm. He goes to cash a check, um, and he he can't even, uh, like, sign the check because he's shaking so bad. And my significant other met, said, oh, ooh, that's DTs. Yeah. And I was like, I have no idea what that is. And so uh, when she brought that up, I, I, you know, was interested in what that is. And I knew what withdrawal is, but there's an actual specific... Uh, thing called delirium tremens which is uh, a severe alcohol withdrawal um, where it can lead to shaking confusion and hallucinations and so it was really interesting that they portrayed that it's something for me that I won't ever experience I hope and that you know uh, maybe somebody that has battled with alcoholism has experienced and then she mentioned that this leads into wet brain which is uh, a, a thing that basically means your brain is getting destroyed by the alcohol um that's an oversimplification but it's right. like a, it's basically a life-threatening brain disorder mm-hmm. uh that you see him start to suffer from that later in the movie um and the fact that they like were super realistic about this i, I mean it was interesting for me yeah um as depressing as the subject was especially knowing and caring about somebody that that went through uh yeah alcohol addiction issues um it, yeah it was it was interesting and informing and yeah sad really it really does show you know why you know, nick got the award for the performance because as the movie progresses his condition obviously is is worsening and there are points where you know he basically can't function like literally yeah. and 
it's it was intense it was hard to watch and i know it's fake you know like it's not real i watch movies all the time i know they're not real right and i'm watching this and it was hard for me to watch that i want to say the makeup team did a really good job too yeah uh because you know it's easy to go overboard on stuff like that but the makeup for him was really believable i thought and i did think it was interesting that like when he was in his withdrawals and stuff his eyes were really red and like you know, they did a really good job of emphasizing that. But then when he's drinking again, he looks more normal and fine. Mm-hmm. And that that was kind of scary to me that, you know, people that's probably helped a lot of people live their lives. And you wouldn't know they don't they look completely normal when they're drinking because their body is so dependent on it. Well, that's, you know, the term functioning alcoholic. Right. And he that's kind of where he is earlier on in the movie is that he needs it to function. That's when he is his, you know, that's when he is able to sign the check, right? That's when he's able to carry on a conversation and, and appear suave. And when he doesn't have it in his system, that's when he, you know, can't hold a pen and can't keep the job and, you know, yada, yada, yada. So I, they really, they, they were able to encompass quite a bit of range here fairly early on before the movie kind of you know, heads off in its ultimate destination. Yeah. And that brings up my next note, which was long intro because like yeah. just that introduction, which he, when he loses his job and all this other stuff, that's a, I don't didn't time it, but it was just a really long intro before the title card for the mm-hmm. movie, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. it It's funny in the first parts of the movie, before he gets to Vegas, the movie feels older than 1995. Like just the way it's shot, the way it's organized, the title card, things like that. It felt older to me. And then he makes it to Vegas and it felt totally normal. But I don't know. There, I don't know. Maybe it was when stuff was shot. I was reading a bit about how like they didn't get a lot of permits. So they were doing a lot of things in single takes and some of the stuff was shot in different order. And so maybe that had something to do with it. But I early on, it felt I kept having a look. I'm like, is it really 1995 or am I missing? Am I getting the date wrong? This is an 80s movie. But you know, it, it felt all felt very 90s to me so i'm not sh- i can't say i share that same yeah. feeling but my next note is was that the dude from third rock from the sun french stewart yeah yeah he was, was one of the, yeah, yeah. I, conf- I i put yep right after that but it was just i did not expect to see him here and there's another cameo later on that it's not really a cameo but yeah. a scene with somebody else that i was like holy shit is that that person and yep yep it is it totally threw me off like that because i was i was so not expecting him that right took me totally out of it for and a i second. think this was way before well i mean i don't remember when third rock from the sun came out but i feel like this had to have been before third rock from the sun I don't know. I never really watched it as much as I like the cast from the show. I only so watched the today. reruns like yeah. decades later. I'm not sure, but it was just, it was because it's a very serious scene. Yeah. You know, he's like a Russian mobster or something. I guess I, I will say, cause we're going to be getting into it. The, that part of the movie. Like her I, working for the, the, or like being a part of the mob or whatever. Well, like, I mean, her having like a pimp type person, I'm sure that there's a lot of realistic aspects to that, but the whole, like when Nick's on his way to Vegas and he stops at the gas station and there's these mob guys clearly there having a phone call and they're eyeing them and all this stuff later, they're the ones who are going into the pimps hotel room or apartment or whatever to assumingly go kill him. And it just felt, I don't know the purpose that storyline served. Yeah, it was a little weird. They like set up something and we, there was never to pay off. I think the whole the storyline with her pimp was just to show that she was now like not paying a pimp. Yeah, I just think there would have been a lot of ways to handle that. Yeah, that was a weird way of handling it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. My next note says lots of sex scenes. Yep. Lots yeah, there was. Scenes. Yeah, don't watch this with your parents if you're a young person. Uh don't watch this with your parents if you're an older person because it's awkward. It it would be awkward no matter who you are watching this with your parents. Yeah. Uh, peak '90s fashion is my next note, which this this movie had some good Vegas '90s fashion. Um, you know the shape of all the shirts and you know just <laughs> the footwear and everything else was 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 great. I yeah. loved it. Yeah. Okay. Lots of drinking and driving was my next note tons of that man the scene where he's got like he's got the bottle right and the, oh, the, and the, the cop the biker cop comes up and look 
I mean, I don't know. I've, I've, I don't ride motorcycles. I don't know what that visibility is really like. I just find it hard to believe he didn't see that giant handle of vodka. Right. <laughs> in the front seat. But maybe, I don't know. Maybe I'm out of line. Yeah, it was, that was a weird, weird scene. Um, so this, the next note is, I think it was just to set up a pun. Um, the, the inn or the place he goes and stays is called the whole year in. Yeah. Which is a weird name for an inn, at least in my mind. And then it, like when he's drunk, I guess he sees it scrambled to, to be like the whole year in, mm-hmm. which I don't really understand that whole thing. You know, he's never shown to have like writing scrambled for him later in the movie or anything. It, no, I think it was just supposed to be metaphorical you know like this is this is the hole he dies in was the plan right and so i think he goes there he sees the name of the place and i don't think he's literally hallucinating the name i think his brain makes the leap because it's convenient right he sees the 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 convenience and the coincidence that that's the motel that he picks yeah yeah fair enough it was just a weird thing like the fact that he didn't like there was that would never happen again in the movie you know it's like when they yeah. set up this power for a superhero and then they never use it again, except for this one situation that, that it's useful. <laughs> and then there was a weird shot of his hand. I think this was in the hotel. Once he gets in there and he's drinking, there's just like a zoomed in shot of his hand for like 12 seconds. And it just was odd. Was he pouring a drink or something? I don't know. It was just like sitting there. like his oh. hand was just sitting you know i don't even think it was holding a drink i think it was his other hand but it wasn't like showing it trembling or maybe the whole point was to show that he wasn't trembling because he was drinking i don't know it was just a really weird shot that lasted way too long i don't know that's kind of take your word for that one that's kind of nitpicky but it was just a weird shot i don't remember that one the the next note is about the second cameo where i had to go oh shit is that that guy the guy at the bar arlie ermy yeah from Full Metal Jacket uh, and many other things. Many other Saving things, yeah. Silverman, which is, he was one of my favorites in that. Um, but yeah, he he was in this movie for like three seconds or something. And I know I, they have a whole conversation. It's like a full scene. I, I put a question mark next to it. But then when the credits came up at the end, he is credited. Mm-hmm. So I, I was able it's to a put full confirmed scene. They, after they that. They have a big back and forth because she's trying to see if, you know, he he's interested in the merch right. you know oh yeah, uh, it, yeah it, that's right. it was weird seeing him with a beard i don't know that i've ever seen him. that's what threw me off i think yeah. it was mostly his voice where i was like oh that sounds familiar right yeah the beard was weird i don't know that i've ever seen him with facial hair yeah so. that was odd but it's good to see him r.i.p uh you know he was he was good in all the stuff i've seen him in i forgot that he passed away yeah uh my next note says looking for him when she knows where he's staying because she she goes out and like she's okay so this whole movie is like kind of framed around nick cage nick cage's character is the main character but then there's also these scenes that are like out of order that are elizabeth shoe's character talking to someone presumably like a therapist or something it's never really revealed well who this person is um I think she was talking to the therapist person when she said that she went out looking for him that night. And yeah. she has already been to the place he's staying once by this point. Right. So that kind of confused me that she was like out on the streets looking for him. Yeah, that was really odd. Um, fun fact about those scenes, however, those were not part of production at all. Those were her test footage. That's her test screening footage. And so they inserted them into the movie to kind of help bring the narrative forward and help give her more screen time and character development. So cool way to look at it is she was nominated for an Oscar and like a good chunk of her performance was test footage. Yeah. I mean, she, she definitely deserved to be nominated for that Oscar. There was points in this movie and I'm still not entirely sure where, I didn't feel like Nick Cage's character was the main character. He definitely was in the early parts of the movie, but I feel like as the movie went on, she became more of the main character. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was okay with that because, uh, you know, Elizabeth, she was great, but I haven't really seen anything where she got to like really flex her chops in like a serious dramatic role. Um, so seeing this was really good. And, and I appreciate her more as an actress having seen this. 
it was a nice, I thought they reached a really nice balance uh, as the movie progressed. Uh, and it was, it was interesting seeing their relationship kind of grow. Cause we, we skipped over their first encounter, you know, where he, he, he almost hits her with his car on the strip. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, and, and may, maybe I'm naive, right. Maybe, maybe I'm, I'm naive and sheltered because I grew up in the Midwest, but he just assumes that she's a prostitute. Have you been to Vegas uh, for a work trip once in 2014? So if you haven't been to Vegas, which you have, but uh, I went there many years ago uh, on a honeymoon with my ex-wife and basically everywhere you walk, you're getting handed business cards of uh, sex workers. Um, people are literally like slapping their hands with these cards and handing them to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I granted I, when I went there was not 1995. So, you know, th- but I feel like there's that, that city is pretty notorious for having a lot of sex workers. And so sure. I'm not saying that it's okay sure. to assume someone's a sex worker, but I feel like, uh, you know, it wasn't crazy for him to think that. Well, because it's not just him. Right. Right. You know, other people assume it, you know, throughout the film. And so just, I don't know, maybe it might might just be me then. Um, but yeah, so he you know propositions her and, and she agrees and goes back to, to the motel, which is what you're referencing. Yeah. And they don't sleep together. He just wants someone to be with him. And she accidentally falls asleep there. And that's when we kind of get the, the first real brush with her pimp um and how he's a bad guy and this is where things get you know ratcheted up to a different level of intensity um i was mentally prepared for the alcohol abuse because that's how the movie's described right is this guy drinks him wants to drink himself to death because his wife left him and he does it in vegas so in my head i was prepared for that i was not really all that prepared for the sexual assault and, and sexual abuse stuff that goes on like you know, he, he like cut her up off screen. Um, you know, yeah, you really only see the scar later and that's later. Implied, yeah. Yeah. That's much later, but it's still, you know, it's, it's really dark. He hits her, um, you know, all those different types of bad things. And you know, that like, it's like this, this movie was a, a series. It felt like a roller. It really felt like a roller coaster where you'd kind of the movie would start, things would start to get better for these two people. You start feeling like, you know, they're, they're going to be with their version of happy, whatever that is for them. And then there'd be some gut punch that would happen, you know? So they have this nice, sweet night together. He's happy. She's happy. And then the, but he literally, he literally tells her though, that he's going to be trying to kill himself essentially with alcohol that night for him. That's, that's his, that's his happy. That's sure, but he, I mean, right? overall, it's not a happy thing. No, 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 not at all. But you know, he, what I, what I mean by that is, things will be going as planned, and then there will be something that veers it off course. And it just felt like each time just kind of felt like a little bit more of a gut punch. Yeah, it was a very emotional ride for me, which is abnormal for 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 me watching film. Yeah which I guess um, is a testament to the performances. <laughs> yeah. I mean, overall, like in terms of how dark it was and the themes of the movie, it felt like a more modern movie. Cause really mm. a lot of movies in the nineties and eighties were not like really serious movies like that. Um, and this movie had, well, dealt with very, very serious topics. Um, and so, yeah, like the, the, I, there's been a lot of more recent movies. Uh, one I've already mentioned, but, you know, that, that are dark and depressing and, you know, deal with some serious, more serious stuff um, just to tell this for the sake of the story. Uh, and yeah, this movie felt like it was, it feels nowadays to me, like it was ahead of its time, even though it was recognized mm-hmm. pretty heavily in 95. Um, my next note says BF or GF, because at one point, Nick Cage, I can't remember who he's talking to. But he asks them if they have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. You know, he's. It was, I think it was a female character, um, and so I thought it was interesting how uh, LGBTQ friendly he was in 1995. Yeah, he didn't. That didn't seem to bother him either way. He was just he wanted. It was it was Sarah, right? That he was asking because he was wanted because he wanted to ask her out on like an actual date. That's right. That's right. It was her. Yeah. You know, rather than just you know um, hiring her. And 
yeah, it, it's it's kind of an offhanded line, right? It doesn't feel forced. It's not there's not a lot of attention drawn to it. But I think that that kind of dialogue is is nice to see. It and, is. I will say that it was that I was a little conflicted about it only because you know for a long time. Uh, two women being together has not really been as much of an issue. Uh, True. So I, I didn't know if it was maybe just because of his like sexual proclivities that he's okay with it because it's a girl and doesn't necessarily, he wouldn't necessarily have the same feeling towards a guy, you know, and since bringing it up casually like that. Uh, but I'm trying to just, you know, look There's at the no way for us silver lining. Yeah. Look at the silver lining for it and, you know, enjoy the fact that it was not like a big, big scene you know just a, it was just kind of a line that happened and wasn't meant to be had a lot of attention drawn to it um or anything like that so yeah and I, and i think after this is when she like brings him back to her place yeah so this is where like i parts of the movie were hard for me because of how quickly she was willing to accept him into her life because she doesn't know anything about him right she knows that he's trying to drink himself to death that's what she knows. She knows nothing else about this guy. She, and she's dealing with, you know, her, she's got her pimp who's clearly not a good person. And maybe she wants him there to, I, I don't know. I don't know why she was so quick to bring him home. That felt a little, that felt a little rushed to me. I know like there's a timeline here, right? He thinks it's only going to take him about a month to, to kill himself with the alcohol, but it still felt like she was really quick to accept him. Yeah, I mean, I do. I think I do have that later in my notes somewhere that like it seemed unrealistically quick. But I think it's important to keep in mind that when people are like broken, uh, which this character seemed to be, mm-hmm. that a lot of times they are just needing that puzzle piece to fit into the metaphorical hole in their, you know, soul, heart, yeah. body, whatever you want to call it. And so I could see somebody that's just so desperate for that kind of puzzle piece in their life that they've been missing to be super accepting, super quick of somebody. Um, it, it was still a little unrealistic to me, but I try not to let it bother me too much. And Elizabeth, she did a really, really good, believable job, I thought. Um, and so that really helped me to accept that. Uh, but also, you know, I, I realized that there are people out there that have that do feel like they're broken and that they need something else to fix them uh, and make them whole again. And and I feel like that maybe is what was going on here. They were both kind of broken people and she thought that they were better together and it made her feel better to have him around. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I was able to get past that, but um, yeah. Only thanks to Elizabeth shoes performance. Though, Cause I think I can't think of another, I mean, I'm not going to say no other actress could have done that, but she did an incredible job with the character. So um, I think in this scene, when she takes him back to her place, my next note says went from really good at sex to not great in the sack, because when he's hitting on the girl in the bar earlier on in the finger of the mouth thing happens, he tells her like, he just like shouts in her face that he's really good at sex. And uh, he's very, he seems very confident about it. But then when she asks to elizabeth shoes character asked to have sex with him uh he says he's not great in the sack well because i think the difference is him overcompensating you know to a stranger that he doesn't care about at all knowing that he's too drunk to do it anyway versus him talking to this woman that he actually has feelings for that has feelings for him back that he's now staying with and he feels you know they had that night together where they just stayed up and talked he feels like he can be honest with her sure yeah i mean i get that but it was just a weird like you know it shows the difference i guess it was meant to meant to illustrate that and somewhere in here there was like a random shot where the camera just kind of zooms in on clouds for like seven seconds (laughs) do you remember that one yeah they're like really red clouds like during a sunset or something it's it was I, i was just watching it going okay What's this symbolizing? Because I don't really get where they're going with this. I don't know. It's like they had to pad a couple extra minutes. Yeah, exactly. So they just kind of, the director was just like, those clouds. And the camera guy just like (laughs) slowly zooms in on these random clouds. It's just some B-roll. It's fine. Yeah. And then my next note says, close the door when you pee. That was weird. 
they're having like an argument or something i think and and elizabeth Chu's character just like walks over to the bathroom which is behind like their living room mm-hmm. and leaves the door open and just starts peeing while having That's a weird. conversation with them yep yeah it wasn't even an argument maybe like it was more of like a disagreement they weren't like fighting right you know, they were just they were debating something i can't remember what it was but yeah that that was weird there was like i was just kind of like all right it was an odd choice yeah it was a weird thing but hey you know some couples are like that they'll just pee in front of each other i don't know if it would be me after like two days <laughs> but uh hey you know if it works for them, more power to them next i had it how is he alive with all that alcohol i think i can't remember exactly i think this is when he went to his hotel room to pack up Mm -hmm. uh the suitcase and the suitcase literally has like a shirt and a pair of pants in it and then the rest is just all alcohol Mm -hmm. and he literally is like drinking a full bottle of vodka at this point and uh it it was pretty ridiculous in the beginning of the movie but at this point it starts to be like he's not like he had to have a blood alcohol content that was just uh, ungodly yeah you know it's it's interesting because he he's not necessarily min maxing here either because he has a wide range of available yeah. drinks you know and yeah he's got tequila and he's got vodka and he's got a bunch of different stuff and, it's and like he mentions got- bourbon at one point that mm-hmm. somebody should come and have a drink of bourbon with him or something like that well, I think that that comes up later because he makes a comment. There's there's some stuff that he says on the tape or at the beginning yeah. uh, that he wants to do with the bank teller and bourbon on her body. Oh, yeah. And then that's mirrored later in the movie when Sarah does that for him at the pool. Right. So. Right. Yeah. I uh, My next two notes are basically just saying how wonderful Nick is in this and also how wonderful Elizabeth Shue is. <laughs> In this, and then she's almost too in love with him to be believable. Uh, I put in there also. I can't remember what specific scene set that off. Well, I mean, the fact that she kicks him out when she finds him there with another another woman helped legitimize it to me that there was a line that you know she uh, she she was accepting his drinking. He was he was upfront about that, and she agreed to it. But there were there were lines. Lines did exist. She wasn't just going to put up with everything and anything. And that that did help solidify things for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that did help. Um, chicks love the chest hair. Because <laughs> he had a very hairy chest in this movie. I mean, I think and he, he does in pretty most good of shape. Movies. Yeah. You I think know? in the 90s, he did a really good. I mean, what, what, what year was that other movie we watched? The romantic comedy? Uh, it could happen to you yeah so i mean he was in really good shape in that movie i think better than this movie but alcoholism is not really intuitive to like bulking up no um so then there was this weird underwater drinking shot where he's just like Mm -hmm. sitting at the bottom of the water somehow like drinking yeah and he has the bottle covered with his hand Mm -hmm. it's just a weird it was a weird shot oh i I like that shot okay i mean it was creative at least so kudos there i just didn't really get what it was supposed to be uh symbolizing but then we get to i don't know that it was supposed to symbolize anything it's just he wanted to get in the pool and he was going to keep drinking you know (laughs) how is he staying at the bottom of the pool though like well you mean if you let the air out you know you can do that you you never did that when you were like a kid no oh yeah you can that's that's not that's that's a thing yeah fair enough and then we get to the point where ferris bueller you saw ferris bueller that's true yeah yeah um, we get to the point where you were talking about where there's like this weird, almost like fantastical sex scene that's like, uh, you know, her pouring liquor on, onto her body and like straddling him. And they're meanwhile, they're in like a public place outside but, at a pool where there but, were people recently. Yeah, but they do sh- like make it a good they shot it in a way that like really frames the two of them. And I thought this was basically a scene that's like inside both of their heads of like how beautiful this moment is between the two of them right and then it's quickly brought back to reality um so so you kind of get the perspective of like how they're viewing this moment versus how like everybody around them is viewing this moment and how sad this moment really is yep um when i think nick is heading somewhere and breaks like trips and breaks a glass table and has like a glass shard sticking out of his back and he's bleeding and the uh hotel lady or whatever uh, whatever she was came over to help clean it up and told her to get out of the hotel by the following morning or that they'll be checking out. Yep. 
And I think at this point, this is like the third place that she was mentioned that she really likes that she's now not welcome at because of uh, Nick's character. Well, cause they get kicked out of a casino too. They're playing blackjack and something happens. You know, with it doesn't really show. It's a, yeah. it's a little unclear. Cause and this is a complaint that I have about a lot of movies. That's the sound mixing has gotten really frustrating for me. Um, and in this, well, this movie, was 1995. I know. Oh, but, you're saying the volume levels. Yeah. Yes, it was like the music was really loud super and the loud. voices were super quiet. And the casino scenes in particular, I couldn't hear. Like, I'm watching this at night, right? My kids asleep upstairs, right? And like, I'm already blasting this movie when the music plays and I still can't hear the dialogue half the time. And I was watching on Paramount Plus, which if you watch on the Xbox app, has completely worthless closed captioning. Yeah, it's very tiny, all black letters that you can't change at all. And you just can't read them. They're worthless. And so like, I can't use those, which I would normally use on say Netflix or HBO max. And so like, I'm trying to make it out. I don't know what that confrontation was about. No, I don't think they ever really said, I mean, I, it's just shown at least when we watched it, it just seemed to be like showing a confrontation, you know, like to show how he can get violent when he's drunk too um but yeah i didn't really get anything with it either it was just it was just weird because again like it's not hard to show somebody flying off the handle that's not a difficult thing to do thematically so it just seemed odd that we don't get to hear what set him off because that that is the most crazed we see him in the whole movie and we have no real explanation as to what set him off right yeah he's not really shown to be violent no at any point in this movie except for that and somebody even comments somebody even comments at one point that he's not violent and that he's just like i think when he's meeting that first chick or the the chick he cheats with wait does he take her back no he doesn't take her back the The woman at the bar yeah like the guy just gets like beats the crap out of him and somebody comments about how he doesn't like fight back or anything he fights with his words or something that was a weird scene too i guess we kind of skipped over that that was a weird it was a weird scene, uncomfortable scene. But uh, yeah, so yeah, this lady hits on him at the bar, starts like licking his ear and saying that she's leaving her boyfriend and wants to go have sex with Nick Cage. And then, like the the boyfriend, like it's all baiting to get the boyfriend to fight mm-hmm. this beat up this drunk guy, and he doesn't really fight back. He just gets the crap kicked out of him. Um, there, see, there's so many uncomfortable scenes that I had forgotten that there's one very early on where he's at the bar at his bar drinking and there's a, a businesswoman a couple of seats down that he keeps hitting on and it's extremely uncomfortable no isn't and, that the is that not the one that like licks his finger or like he licks no, his finger or something like that it's a different woman yeah that's the one where he says he's really good at sex right yeah. yeah and the bartender like he eventually stops it but he lets that go on for quite some time and it was just an extremely uncomfortable scene yeah I mean, I think it's just telling of the fact that that even in the 90s, women were not treated very well, you know, and with the recent things going on, it hasn't changed much. But uh, yeah, that, that, you know, that probably wasn't that unrealistic for something that could happen oh, in 1995. Sadly. I'm definitely not saying it's unrealistic. I'm saying it's uncomfortable. It was very uncomfortable. Yeah, it was, and uncomfortable. It was meant to be, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing, right? At the end of the day, like Nick nails this role. There's no doubt about that as uncomfortable as it is as intense and depressing that it is uh it wouldn't be that if he didn't nail the role right and i I could see a lot of people giving criticism that he seems like a little over the top but you know that's sometimes when people are drunk or high or whatever that's what it's like for him not everybody is like a fall asleep pass out drunk you know some people get violent some people get loud you know, some people get very friendly, you know, I didn't think he was that out there. Like, yeah, there's moments where he raises his voice or he goes, he off has some cagey moments. He has some pretty cagey moments. He's got some, he's got some, it let him like, flex his range a little bit. Yeah. But I, I didn't think that it was excessive in any, any, I didn't think it was excessive. I think it was you know. completely realistic, but I could see that some people might say that it would be over the top. I didn't personally find it to be over the top. Neither did the Oscars apparently, but, mm-hmm. um, Okay, so at this point, I think he, I don't remember exactly, because it's been a few days since I watched it, but he meets up with this other prostitute Mm -hmm. uh, sex worker that 
that apparently has been eyeballing him a lot. I'm pretty well, we sure see, earlier we've seen her a few times. It's yeah, like she it wanted to get back times. at Sarah. Is what but it doesn't really show why, like. really. No. Um, so yeah, she's like trying to get Nick Cage's character to hook up with her. Uh, and he does. And Sarah walks in. And I wrote in my notes at this point, is it hypocritical to be mad at him for sleeping with other women when she sleeps with other men? Yes. That's okay. I mean, no, it's I mean, it's not hypocritical for her to feel that way because she has a job and he accepted that and they're in a relationship together. And so if he's going to go sleep with other people, he, they need to have a conversation about whether or not that's okay, because that's not his job. He doesn't get paid to do that. Right. It's not how the bills are paid. He had sex with another woman to have sex with somebody. She does it to make a living. And she was upfront about it. Just like he's upfront about him drinking himself to death. And if they both want to accept those things, that's up to them. But she never signed on for him sleeping around. Right. And that's, and that's totally fair. I mean, but it just shows you that how quickly they jumped into this relationship without actually like having a discussion. I could see somebody being drunk and in their drunken stupor being like, well, she sleeps with other people. So why can't I, you know? Well, don't forget that. Like he, I don't think they've actually had sex at that point. No, she was just like half naked on him. Well, no, no. But I mean, as Sarah and him haven't actually had sex and she keeps wanting to sleep with him. Right. But he either can't do it or what have you because of all the drinking. And so it hurts her to see him trying to do it with somebody else when he won't do it with her. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so I think at this point is when the movie went really quick zero to a hundred yeah. for me. Uh, there's a pretty graphic, uh, they, they have a fight because of her, because of him sleeping with this or like trying to sleep with this woman and she leaves and starts taking other jobs and she shows up in this hotel room. She tells this guy that she doesn't nor- doesn't do multiple people at the same time or whatever. And he keeps offering her more and more money and she eventually agrees to do it. And so she goes into this hotel room and it's, it's too young. Everybody looks like a teenager to me, but that's also possibly because I'm old. They're supposed Um, to be on the younger side, but yeah, they all, it looks like three teenagers and one of them seems to be autistic or have some sort of um, issue going on. uh, You know, that, that makes them maybe an easier target to like manipulate. Um, and so these, this kid seems to have hired the sex worker to have sex with their uh, autistic friend or brother. It's not really ever told. Um, and she says that she won't do it because uh, they're giving her a hard time. And he says, I think they tell her that he wants to fuck her in the ass. That's mm-hmm. specifically what he says. And she says that she's not going to do that. And they the scene gets worked up and the autistic uh individual punches her because that's the vibe he's getting from the room i'm assuming um the the amped up energy she makes a comment implying that you know maybe he or they are gay um and that sets him off well, it sets the other guy off. And then when he gets all worked up, it sets the other guy off that hits her. Yeah. Because they're of like, kind of feeding off the energy. Right. Yeah. And it and just, yeah. Yeah. It spirals from there. You know, um, there's like very graphic sexual assault taking place. Well, I guess it isn't that graphic. I guess just the implication uh, of knowing exactly what has transpired is graphic because you're filling in a lot of the gaps in your mind. Uh, yeah, and then that scene, uh, she she gets hit in the face several times, um, and it's just really nasty. Um, and then the next morning, I think it is, or maybe later that, that night, she gets into this taxi. Yeah, and this fucking taxi driver makes like the worst fucking comments. I mean, this movie, it's like almost all the movies that we reviewed so far everyone in the movie is a giant asshole and i guess elizabeth shoe's character isn't but like everybody else in the movie is and this taxi driver makes jokes about her having anal like 
anal sex that she wasn't expecting or something along those lines. And it's it was like extremely terrible. And like my note literally just says that fucking taxi driver. Yeah, no, because I, I mentioned it to uh, my wife. I was like, you know, other than Spider-Man, <laughs> um, everybody in these movies are just like horrible people. And, yeah. and they just kind of make Nick Cage the not horriblest one. <laughs> but he's pretty, still pretty terrible. <laughs> you know, right. He's he's still terrible, but he's not the most terrible. So you kind of root for him. Right. Yeah. Uh, when you're, you're comparing right, him case, to rapists and, uh, you know, people like that. Yeah, it's <laughs> right. He's not he's not a rapist. He's not a pimp. He's not um, some type of Latvian mobster. Right. right. But he's still not a good person. And yeah, Elizabeth Shue's character, Sarah, is probably the only decent person in the movie. Yeah. So uh, I think when she gets, there's like a gratuitous scene of, I don't know if it was gratuitous, maybe that's not the right word, but there's a scene of her just like sitting in the shower bleeding. That was super depressing. And like, I understand that's what they were going for. So it's not like I'm complaining about how depressing it was. It was just like a little too grounded for me. Like, and I know it's meant to be that way, but it was tough to watch this. That was probably the toughest scene to watch. Well, when taken in context, it's a really hard part of the film. And, you know, to my point earlier, like that's not what I was expecting. I was expecting the alcoholism. I wasn't expecting this. And it just really like. It was it was hard. It does seem like most movies that feature sex workers like that uh, always seem to have some sort of sexual assault scene. Uh, Maybe not quite as intense as this one, but um it, it is not it, uncommon to it's not great trade that way yeah. you know like there's a lot of sex workers out there and i'm sure they would rather see a portrayal that wasn't them just being assaulted yeah um I, so that's that's disappointing i would like to see that too so you know um it's bad so, it's a definitely like one of the low points if not the lowest point of the movie yeah i mean it's and it's meant to be for right. sure um but i don't know this next part is pretty rough too but like so that she gets a call from Nick Cage's character saying to come over or something along those lines. We don't really hear his end of the conversation. It's just what her responses are to him. And she gets to this hotel room and he's basically fucking dying. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I put my my next note was call call an ambulance because instead of calling an ambulance, she, she sits next to him and her hand ventures well, so real quick, though, before before we get to that, you have to remember. So she gets kicked out of her house. Oh, so yeah, she, yeah, yeah. She lives in this little kind of gated apartment or townhome community where the husband's supposed to be the cool guy and the wife is very uptight and suspicious of the, you know, this woman who's doing things right that are unseemly or whatever is just looking for an excuse and they they kick her out. Um, and so she has to get her own place. And so some time passes here It's unclear exactly how much time, but it's not like the next day or something like that. It, to me, it felt like maybe a week, but I'm not sure. Right. Yeah. And so she goes over to, to see Nick Cage's character and the wet brain has basically fully set in at this point. And he's clearly dying on this bed and her hand reaches down. And my next note says, is she jerking him off? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She, on his deathbed, decides that she needs to jerk him off. Well, and then they have sex. And then I, my next note says, what is this movie? So, so it's very clear, right? At the very beginning, they basically made a deal. She was okay with him drinking himself to death. He was okay with her being a sex worker. And that those, those, those were the terms. And for her to call an ambulance would be to go against him drinking himself to death. He would never forget that. I mean, I don't think that's the bigger problem. I think her just like jerking off a dying man. Well, I mean, and then they sleep together. That's the one time they sleep together. Right. But that, that that's okay to you. Like that seems like it's not okay to me, but it's okay. It was okay to them is the point. Cause that's how he died. Like when he wakes up after that, right. It's like the next morning or whatever. He, he wakes up for a moment. He sees that she's still there. He smiles and dies. So th- what, what we're supposed to believe here is that that was the best possible way for that relationship to end. 
He I got guess. what he wanted. She got what she wanted. And they ended it on a positive note. Now, I can't in imagine world, in a million years that any woman would want to like immediately jerk off a dying man. I agree you know what with I mean? you. But that's like, just, I would super... never be in the, either of their shoes. Sure. It's just, right? that's where so, it got to the point of being unbelievable for me. It's like, there's no way in a million years that this would be a thing. I wouldn't think, but the, the problem is I already, by that point, I already had to accept the conceit that she's okay with him killing himself with alcohol. Right. Right. And for her to be okay with that, and it's shown throughout the film that she has to be okay with that. There's one moment where they kind of talk about it, but they ha- she just she ends up being okay with it. That by that point, it was just like a way for them to seal the relationship. And of all the things that happened in the movie, this that wasn't like one of the harder things for me to accept. Okay, well, I guess it was just you know? me then. But I, my next note says, "Is he dying or orgasming?" No, because he, he makes some like weird mo- like noises well because it's after the sex like they they had the sex they cut to the, the post-sex scene where she's asleep he's asleep he wakes up he smiles and he kind of like breathes out his last breath and dies. well but there was i think when they were actually having sex he was making noises that made me wonder if that was oh, him like oh, oh. dying like rattling breaths uh, of his dying or rattling breaths of his near-death orgasm i think it's the latter yeah yeah, it was weird. Uh, and then my last note for this movie says, who is she talking to all that time? Because, it, again, I think the movie ends with her talking to whoever this is that we never find out. Yeah, it's that's never resolved. We don't know anything really about that. We don't really know what happens to her either. Like, his story is wrapped up, right? He got to do what he wanted to do. And... We're not exactly sure how long it took, but it seems reasonable that it took approximately the four weeks that he said, but we have no idea what happens to her here. You know, she still had been assaulted recently. He just died. She just got this new place. Her pimp's dead, supposedly, Um, you know, and so I guess she just goes on with her life. And I guess that like it's left very just like open, like, yeah, his story ended, but nothing else is really wrapped up. So, yeah, you care about her character, but then you don't really know anything that happens to her character after he dies. Well, because the whole reason we're given that she's accepting him and being with him is that she needs she's lonely and she wants to have somebody. And that's kind of contradictory to the whole relationship because she knows it's got an expiration date and a very soon expiration date at that. And so once that's over, she's back to that kind of square one of not having somebody again. Yeah. And does that, what does that mean? Is she just going to find another self-destructive person? And is that just like, is, was this the first domino in a series of self-destructive people that she finds? Or was this the last domino? Now she's, you know, got that piece of her filled and she's hoping to move on. Yes. Never really. We don't know. Right. We, we just don't know. And it's weird. Cause like, this is a big movie that takes place in two massive cities here in this country. And yet like, there's really only like three main cast members in like the whole yeah. movie. It feels and like a much smaller movie. It does. Right. And two of those people die. And then there's Elizabeth Shue's character, Sarah, and that's it. Like that, those are the cast of, of the movie from a, a primary standpoint. So it, it's a little wild how little is like wrapped up at the end. Yeah, for sure. Like, does she stay in Vegas? I mean, she's been kicked out of a of a casino. She's been kicked out of a living complex. Um, You know, she's been kicked out of her favorite little kind of hideaway resort that she goes to. You know, if I if I was in her shoes, I'd probably leave that town behind and start over somewhere else. But, you know, I don't think she does that. I mean, I don't know. We don't know. There's nothing because she just got that new apartment. So I would imagine she's staying there but I don't know. Probably. Yeah. But we don't know how long that is in the future. Yeah. We don't have any kind of anything. So yeah, that's the end of the movie. There's no, there's no post-credit scene. Nope. Setting up leaving Las Vegas to electric boogaloo. That's right. Yeah. No, nothing, nothing weird with the credits. Um, I mean, there's, there's there's a, a sad piece to this production as well, just in the real world. So uh, John O'Brien was the author of the book that the movie is based off of. And he actually uh, committed suicide two weeks after production began on the movie. Yikes. And um, 
Figus, the director and the studio, they contemplated just shelving the project because, you know, that's pretty intense and that's very serious. And they decided that it would be a good memorial for the author. And so they obviously went through with it. Mm-hmm. And um, the Rolex that Ben, Nick Cage's character, wears in the movie and pawns in the movie uh, was O'Brien's watch, the author's watch. So it's just kind of an interesting thing there. The, um, you know, the, the book, I believe, is supposed to be at least somewhat autobiographical. To, to some extent and you know that he o'brien dealt with at least similar feelings if not similar events um but i did book, think it was interesting how cheap that he sold that watch for 500 bucks yeah is that what it was yeah because nowadays that watch is a lot of money yeah thousands have gone 15 up. grand 20 grand something like that Rolexes probably have gone up crazy value yeah um yeah yeah, 500 bucks is what he pawns it for. Yeah. Um, which again, like is another weird scene where like the I, like the pimps right there pawning stuff. Yeah, but they don't interact at all. Like they don't interact. So so Nick is in the same room as the pimp. He's in at the same gas station as the Latvian mobsters. No one ever interacts. Yeah. So like these stories are like ships passing in the night. Well, that's why it feels like such a small story, I think, because everybody, yeah. like, even though you're in this giant town, everybody's around everybody else. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Yeah. So we need to rate these movies, this movie. Yeah. Yeah, we do. So we have our cage meter. Um, our cage meter is a 20 point scale. We have two values that we rate on. We have the quality of the film zero to 20 zero being the worst thing we've ever watched. 20 being the greatest movie ever made. And then we have the cage scale, which is how cagey cheesy cagey is our cage i don't uh, think it has to be cheesy i just want to throw that out just there cagey yeah i like cagey. how much does it get to like go into that trademark cage mode and that's you know zero being like the most straight almost monotone you could be and 20 being the pinnacle of cageness um and so yeah ryan where would you put the quality of this film well, keeping in mind that it's like an Oscar-winning movie, it's what, probably Nick Cage's best critical performance uh, of his career. Um, it uh, it's got to be like a seventeen or an eighteen. I think the movie itself wow. was it was a really good movie that told the tale it wanted to tell, especially considering it came out in nineteen ninety five. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I will I watch it again? No, but I think it was a it was a really good movie especially if we're comparing it to the other movies that we've watched okay so so do you want to give it a 17 or do you want to give it well i think it depends where you're at because uh you know if you said it was a 17 then i would be like sure but if you said it was an 18 i'd be like sure so so it's it's tough like you you say like it's his most critically acclaimed film and he did win the oscar for it but from a like a rating standpoint just from critics it's not his highest rated movie by a lot actually. And so I do wonder how much is it like I wasn't like in 1995, I was a kid. So I don't know. Was this considered Oscar bait at the time? Was this, I mean, watching it, I felt like this was an Oscar bait movie. Okay. But, but I didn't watch it in 95. So, you know, maybe it was different back then, but if this movie was made nowadays, it would hundred percent be an Oscar bait movie. There's no other reason to make a movie like this. That's fair. Um, man that's that is tough so i mean just for some like retrospective i mean i gave um let's see i gave the unbearable weight of massive talent a 17 and we gave we gave spider-man or not spider-man we get yeah we gave spider-man a 17 and a half and i feel like I enjoyed both of those movies. Well, enjoy is not fair, right? Yeah, I was going to say, this wasn't a movie you were meant to enjoy. I mean, I'm more impressed with Spider-Man from a technical standpoint or from a, a film standpoint than this. I think it still pulled off a much harder job. Um, but this movie was made in 1995. I know. I know. I'm not saying it's bad. I think I would. No, I just it think a- it's important to keep in context that these types of movies weren't really made in 1995. Um, so we're judging right. movies that are much newer. Um, in a more modern era it is tough to keep that in mind but i'm gonna yeah. give it a 15 
Okay. So we'll put mine at 17 and just meet in the middle at 16. Okay. Now, caginess. Caginess. What do you think? Probably like a 15 or a 14, somewhere in there. I think he was not. That's why I want to specify that it doesn't necessarily mean cheesy mm-hmm. when you say caginess. It just means that he gets to like really get creative and, you know, go out on a limb. And I think he did get to do a lot of that. Mm-hmm. in this movie you know that opening scene is probably one of the highlights of if i was going to show somebody what nick cage was like as an actor that opening scene would probably be in there right as um, would like the scene where he's hitting on the woman probably <laughs> yeah well that's why i, I was going to give it a 15 yeah i think that's just like 15 across the board and you're giving it a uh what'd you say a 13 or 14 no i think i said 15 or 16 so uh I think 15 is totally fair. 15. Okay. So that means we've got a 16 on the quality and a 15 on the cage, which puts it up there. It really does. It, it kind of puts it in the realm of the unbearable weight of massive talent. So it puts it, puts it pretty high up on the list, which is a little um, weird because they're very different movies, extremely different movies. And to your point earlier, like I, I would watch the unbearable weight of massive talent again, for sure. No question. I probably will never watch this leaving Las Vegas ever again. Yeah. So, but, uh, but yeah, so that's, that's our score on that one. Um, we have our wheel cage, so we will spin that later and find out what movie we're going to watch next, but I've got to add a new one to our wheel that that will replace leaving Las Vegas because, um, we only hauled 18 movies on our wheel. And so the movie that will be replacing leaving Las Vegas is an interesting one. It is <clears throat> Industrial Symphony Number no. One: The Dream of the Broken Hearted, which is a TV movie that uh, he did way back when in 1990. So there you go. Nice. That's added to the wheel. Be sure to uh, check out Coming of Cage dot com to see our uh, see me spin the wheel o cage and find out what movie we're going to be talking about next on the show and you can catch all of our other episodes on various podcast platforms including a uh, version of it on youtube and you can follow us on twitter and facebook and the whole nine ryan anything else before we head out no i think we covered everything all right well Thank you for watching, everybody. Let us know your thoughts on leaving Las Vegas, and we will catch you in two weeks. Bye-bye.